Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. In the ESV, it says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. I just heard a lot of rustling. Like right after that, all you grabs your Bibles. That makes me laugh. All right, let's start again. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let me read this to you out of the New Living Translation, which is very good for kind of phrases and concepts. So don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Come on, how many can say amen to that wisdom? Today's trouble is enough for today. Come on, let's pray. Lord, right now, we ask for you to come. And Lord, come and speak to us, Jesus. We thank you that from the Sermon on the Mount, you're speaking directly to our lives. Right now, today, in this season, I thank you, God, it is as relevant and as real and as needed as ever before. And so we open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to you, Jesus, through your word to come and lead us and guide us and and take our life and make it like yours. Come, Lord Jesus, and speak through me today to all your people. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough worries of its own. Today's troubles are enough for today. Today I want to talk to you about worrying about the future, being anxious about what is to come. And I believe that you and I, as Christians, should trust, we should trust the, um, let me put it this way, we should trust the one who provided yesterday to provide for tomorrow. If he provided before, he'll provide again. It should be our goal, it should be our mindset, it should be our lifestyle to trust the one who is trustworthy to take care of us, and today, to be present in the present, to tackle today, to give our all today, to not worry about yesterday, and to not worry about tomorrow. For the God who took care of yesterday, he will be faithful tomorrow. And today, that we would be in partnership with him to tackle whatever is to come today. Can you say amen? Because you see, worry wants to get on you. Worry wants to overtake you. And here's the interesting thing about worry. It always has a reason. Isn't this true? Worry always has a reason to be worried. There's always a reason to be anxious. There's always justification to be nervous. It makes sense to be fearful. In fact, maybe that's the the mode that you're coming into church today, filled with worry. Maybe that's the default switch that is on in your mind when you wake up in the morning. Maybe it's your whole approach to life, to be worried about what's to come. And you might say to me, well, Jordan, it's logical. I've got reasons to worry. And that you do. Maybe today you're, you're worried about your children's future. Maybe you're worried that they're not going to grow up with the same opportunities you had. 
Maybe you're worried about a world that they're going to enter into that you don't understand and you've never seen before. I know people have come up to me and asked, should we get pregnant in what's going on right now? Because we're worried to bring a child into the midst of this uncertainty. And maybe that's you. Or maybe you're worried about the nation's future. You look around and you say, it seems like all there is is severe division. All there is is disagreement. Maybe you look at the statistics or the, the vibe of the nation. Maybe when you go grocery shopping, you get filled with worry. And your grocery bill has doubled. And your energy bill has doubled. And it seems like the crime rates have doubled. And you say, see, there's reasons to be worried. You say, I look around, I don't even recognize this nation. Or maybe you're worried about the ideological um, persuasion, the direction it's headed, where the chasm seems to grow deeper and deeper, where, where we can't even agree on basic biology. One side doesn't even know what a woman is. And you say, there's reasons to be worried. Or maybe for you, it just hits a lot closer to home. Maybe for you, you're just worried about the next season. Christmas is coming. And you say, I just barely recovered from Thanksgiving. And now I got to go into Christmas? Maybe you're worried about the dinner table, the tensions that you're going to find there. Or maybe you're torn between a couple different families, and you know no matter what you do, you're going to disappoint somebody. We're nervous about the gifts or what you're going to get or if you have enough to get. Maybe you're going into situations that frankly trigger some emotions or some reactions and you feel tension. Right now, this is a dark period for a lot of people. It should be the season of light. But in many people's minds, it's the season of darkness. You might be sitting here today and saying, see, there's reasons to worry. It's logical. It's reasonable. It's rational to worry. But can I ask you this question? Is it supernatural? Is it the way God has designed us to live? Is it the way of the Spirit? Is it the way of faith to constantly live in fear? Is it the way of the Lord to constantly be nervous? Does he not hold the world and the future in the palm of his hand? It may be logical. It may be reasonable. But I want to talk on a deeper level today. Is it spiritual? Is it supernatural to live your whole life this way? Or is there a better way? Is there a better mode? I'm not discounting the troubles you're going to face. I'm not saying that they don't exist. I'm not saying to whistle through the graveyard, but I am saying that in Christ, you are more than a conqueror, that you've got what's in you, what is needed to meet the day, to face the challenge, to overcome, to lead your children. I'm saying that today we can learn from the word of the Lord a way to live without being overwhelmed, that there might be a way to live without being filled with anxiety for the future. There's a better way, but it's a spiritual way. Jesus comes in the Sermon on the Mount to reveal this way to us. And just like he said previously three times, don't be anxious, now he comes and he says, do not be worried about the future. Do not be troubled. Do not be nervous. Do not be overwhelmed and overtaken. Do not worry about tomorrow, he says. This is the command from your king. This is the instructions from heaven. This is the one that made you and knows how you should operate. 
This is from the authority that you and I bow to. And we know that he would not ask us to do something if we were incapable of accomplishing it. Amen? And so he's speaking to us and he's saying, I'm telling you, don't live that way. Don't be worried about tomorrow. You know, you and I, we can't control culture, but we can control our culture. Every home has a culture. Every mind has a culture. I might not be able to, 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 to stop or to change all of society, but the society I'm building in my home, the culture I'm building in my life, I've got a say in it. And I want to partner with the Holy Spirit to build a culture of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, come on, self-discipline, that the culture that you live in in the everyday, the culture of your home and your bedroom and your car and your cubicle, that culture, it can be different. It doesn't have to be filled with worry. Instead, you should come before the Lord. And this is shown to us, not just in Jesus' statement, but in all of the works of God that goes all the way back to the beginning. Let's go back to Exodus 16. God had just taken his people, Israel, out of Egypt. Do you remember? Moses confronts Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And God intervenes and he rescues his people out of bondage, out of slavery, through the waters of baptism. This is what God does. But now they find themselves in the desert, in the wilderness, and they're wandering. They're waiting for the promised land. They're not in the land of sin, but they're not yet in the land of salvation. And that's a picture of us. Come on, God brought us out of the land of sin, but we're not in heaven yet. We are sojourners. We are wanderers. We are nomads. And we are on our way. This is not our home. This is not our final destination. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, the Bible says that the people began to grumble and complain with Moses saying, we don't have enough to eat. We don't have enough to drink. We can't provide for ourselves. We don't know where we're going. We don't know how long it's going to take. And they began to be worried. They began to get anxiety filled within them, saying, how are we going to take care of us and our children? Moses goes before the Lord, and God says, tomorrow morning, I'm going to send something. And here's the instructions. I want for you to tell the people to go out, to gather it up. We're going to call it manna, which means what is it? They don't even know what it is. They've never seen anything like this because here's the truth. The provisions for God, from God are usually miraculous. It's not like something you've seen before. Manna, which are these, these, these wafers, these cakes that tasted like honey, will be waiting for you, God says, on the ground like dew. It rains from heaven and it, and it sits on the ground. You didn't have to plant. You didn't have to toil. You didn't have to harvest. You didn't have to do anything. Here is divine provision for his people. And so the next day, the people of Israel, they got up, they went out of their tents, and sure enough, there it was, manna, literally bread from heaven. And they gathered it up, and they gave it to their children, and, 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 and uh, they, they encountered God's provision in the middle of the desert. And this is who God is, and this is what God does. And God calls us to do the same thing. When you get up, to go to God and to receive his provision. What is God teaching the people of Israel? And what is God teaching us? See, the principle from the story of manna is this, reliance on God. God wants total and complete reliance on him. That you would go to him to get what you need. 
so thankful. Like God shows it always in biblical, in biblical proportions. They're in the middle of the desert. It was no one else. There was no other help. It had to be God. And the truth is, you're living in the middle of the desert. It doesn't matter what you do. You need God to bring provision into your life. And he will. And he has. And you say, well, what do I have to do? Very simple. You got to get up. You got to go to God. You got to gather provision. And make no mistake, there will always be enough provision for what you need in your situation. And so I guess the question is, today, what is it that you need? Not what is it that you want, because there aren't going to be yachts out there in the desert. (laughs) But what is it that you need? The daily provision from the Almighty. Maybe you're here today and you say, my needs today are basic. I'm really just needing God to help. Maybe today you're struggling with food scarcity. Feel like you can't buy enough for your family. You say, Lord, I need food. I need help putting groceries on the table, food on the table. Maybe you're here today and you say, I need sleep. Basic things. Maybe you struggle with insomnia or constant dreams. You can't get to sleep or it never feels like enough. Do you know the Bible says in Psalms that the Lord gives sleep to his beloved? Isn't that powerful? And you are his beloved. Maybe your needs are a little bit higher up the ladder than basic needs. Maybe if I was to ask you today, what do you need? You would say, there's some resources I need. I, I, I need a home or I need security. I'm going month to month with my apartment and my landlord is looking to kick me out. Or maybe you need job security. feel like you're going from gig to gig, but there's no stability or nothing that matches your strength and your passion. And, and you're looking for breakthrough or an open door in this area. And you say, I need security. Or maybe, maybe what you need today is security in your body, health, security in your mind that is not filled with these constant ills that we've been speaking about the past few weeks. And you say, I just want there to be peace that passes understanding on my mind. Or maybe you're here today and you say, those things are covered, but I'm searching for belonging. I'm looking for a friend. I'm looking for a spouse. Maybe you're here and you say, I'm looking for a community. That's why I'm I'm here in the church. I'm looking for a place where I can belong, where I can fit in, where I can get around people that are headed in a similar direction as me. What is it that you need? Because the truth is, God's provision will always match your problem. He will always meet you right where you need. And make no mistake, God will always be a match. There will always be enough for the problems, the needs, the things that you require from the Lord. Do you know that when they went out and they gathered the manna, The Bible says not only did God provide it, not already was it already done, not only did they not have to work for it, but the Bible goes even further and says that whatever they needed, they were able to gather. In fact, the Bible says this in in Exodus 16, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever had gathered little had no lack. In fact, no matter how much they gathered, a lot for a big family or a little bit for an individual, they found that there was always enough to match their need. Make no mistake. God's provision will always match your problem. There will always be just enough. I really believe with God there's always going to be more than enough. But at the very basic, there will always be enough when it involves the provision of the Almighty. Because His provision 
catch this, is perfect. It's perfect. And he does not allow his child to go forever with need. Come to him and make no mistake, he will meet you right where you need. Let's look at the life of Jesus to see this. This is what he did. He modeled it. The Bible says that early in the morning he would get up and he would go off into an isolated place and he would pray. And the disciples saw that this was the source of his power. They saw that this was the thing that Jesus did different than everybody else. And so they come to him and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Isn't it interesting that they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to prophesy? Lord, teach us how to heal? Lord, teach us how to preach? No, they understood that the source of it all was his communion with the Father. Lord, teach us how to pray like that. Everything else we understand will follow. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus uses this powerful phrase, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Note that, daily bread. He's referring to the manna. He's getting up in the morning, he's going alone with God, and he's gathering. Everything Jesus gave out, all of the healings and all of the teachings all came from what he gathered. And the tr- that is true for you as well. Whatever you need to give out, you need to make sure you get alone with God and you gather it in the morning. And he will give you every day your daily bread, more than enough to meet your need. I wonder why when Jesus was teaching us to pray, he, he used that phrase daily bread. I wonder why he didn't he didn't say, um, give us this month our, our bread, or give us this year. Now, why didn't he pray big? You know, why didn't God say, you know what, forget the bread. Give us millions to buy a bread factory. Why, 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 didn't, why didn't he say, in fact, forget the bread at all, forget the factory. Lord, give us this day no issues at all. I don't even want a strength to deal with the issues. I want to have no issues. Before they arrive, smack them like that gopher game. I don't even want to know about it. Why didn't Jesus teach us to pray like that? Lord, I don't need even to live. Take me to heaven. No, that's too far. Why why did he say, Lord, today, give us what we need for today? Because I believe what Jesus was trying to teach us is this principle of reliance that even Jesus modeled every day on relying on provision from the Father. He's trying to bring us into relationship. See, God restores relationship with us through our reliance on him. Look at Adam and Eve. This is the original design. They didn't have to work. They didn't have to fight. They didn't have to go through difficulty. They just got to live totally and completely free, but in complete reliance of God. But when they ate, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, now they're, they're on their own. Now they've got, they got to rely on their own toil, their own sweat, their own work. But see, God's original design is that we would, yes, of course, we would work hard, we'd give our best, but ultimately, we would rely on God Almighty. God wants to bring us, restore relationship with him through reliance on him. That's what he's doing with the people of Israel. That's what he wants to do with us. Come to me. If you're weary, if, you need, if you're heavy laden, come to me. It's a consistent invitation. If you need healing, if you need salvation, come to me. What is he teaching but reliance? And you that have children, you know, you know this to be true. A lot of your relationship with your children is based on the fact that they rely on you. And when you come through, they begin to trust you. And then they have a need, they come to you, they rely on you. 
And then when you come through, they begin to trust you. Now begins this cycle of father and son, mother and child, and there becomes this friendship. This is what God wants with us. My child came to me and says, Dad, can I, can I get a sandwich? And I said to him, you know what? Here's the credit card. Here's the keys. You're good. Get in the car. Go buy the material. Material, as if he's building like a deck. Go buy the material. Go back, make your own sandwich. Maybe I would have, maybe I would have, I would have given him something, but I would have broken that reliance. The truth is, my son needs to know, every time he comes to me, I'm going to come through for him. Every time he comes to me, I'm going to... Now, there might come a day where his capacity can grow, and he'll come to me and ask, and I will give him the keys. He'll have to pay for his own car, but I'll hand him the keys. <laughs> I think God works this way with us as well, that when we come to him, he is a good father, and he always wants to come through, but you got to come to him. you got to keep coming. Every day, Lord, can you give me what I need for today? It's daily bread. Relationship comes through reliance. And God really wants to restore our walk with him in the garden. Adam and Eve lost that daily walk with God, but God comes to say, I will be your provider. Come to my presence. Let's restore this. Do not worry about tomorrow, he says, for tomorrow will worry about itself, or tomorrow will bring its own worries, the NLT says. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. First and foremost, he's saying, come to me as provider. Now, he brings logic into this. This is a very brilliant statement, so stick with me. Because I think right now, a lot of us have the fallacy that in order for us to not be worried about tomorrow, we've got to crush it today. Like, if we crush it today, tomorrow will be taken care of. If we prepared better today, we would have nothing to worry about. If we planned more today, tomorrow would, would be all settled. If we worked harder, we wouldn't be overwhelmed. If we got more done, then, then tomorrow would be easier. But the reality is you're chasing a horizon that never comes. You're running on a treadmill. A lot of movement, very little progress. But the reality is that God comes with a better way to live, and he tells us, listen, I got to tell you, Tomorrow's going to have trouble too. Now I know, no, not many amens on that. But I'm telling you, this will set you free. This will set you free. This is a brilliant concept of accepting the difficulties of today without trying to project yourself into tomorrow, live in the future, solve situations that may never even take place, have conversations that won't go that way anyways, all in your mind, inviting infinite possibilities of tomorrow that end up crushing you today. And God says, spoiler alert, tomorrow's going to have trouble too. But this, I think, will set you free if you, if you could just acknowledge this truth. If you could just stare it in its face and just say, I, I receive that. I accept that tomorrow will be difficult. I know that this is ironic, but seriously, I think it will help you because there's like a grand irony to the fact that it gets easier when you accept that it's going to be difficult. Are you with me? It gets easier when you're not constantly frustrated that it's difficult. Life is going to be tough. The world, the earth is not heaven. There's going to be no shortage of difficulties. But don't waste today worrying about tomorrow. Don't waste today being nervous about tomorrow. Don't waste today being frustrated about tomorrow. Just handle today's problems 
and trust tomorrow to the Almighty. Spurgeon says this. Spurgeon says this. Our anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. This is my challenge to you. Stay present and stay in the presence. Galatians 6.9 says this, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, but just don't give up. Just don't give up. Stay in the present. Come on, keep tackling today. Come on, go after it from morning to evening, and make no mistake, tomorrow's coming, there'll be issues. Even if you were prepared for them, you won't be prepared for them, but God has the provision for tomorrow. He has the provision for today, just as he had the provision yesterday. There's a great story of a man named Brother Lawrence. He was a monk in the 17th century, and he was in charge of the kitchen of this monastery. And, and he, he talks about, he, he wrote these letters that, that's been combined into this book called The Practice of the Presence. And his whole premise is that the way you deal with anxiety or worry or, or nervousness is that you continually integrate the presence of God in everything you do. And he talks about how there was no difference for him for being in a kitchen that was filled with noise, hundreds of men coming to eat, orders coming in, food going out, all of the clatter, he says, in the din of the pots and the pans. He says in the midst of all of that, there was stillness in his soul. He says there was no difference from that kitchen to the cathedral when I kneel before the Lord in silence. Why? Because he chose to integrate the presence into his present. He chose to invite the Holy Spirit into every single one of his activities. He said, I don't, I don't, I'm not waiting to do something great for the Lord. Every meal I make is an act of love presented before, before God. And I believe when you are able to begin to live like this, doesn't the Bible say protect, pray continually? Integrate the Lord into your life. And then all of the sudden you'll find the provision that you need for your present. This is the way that God has designed you. This is what he has for us, that his presence would become our provision for the present. Don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. Tomorrow we'll have enough worries. Even Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. I'm very thankful that God doesn't lie to us. He's like, no, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be tough. You'll have trouble. Don't try and avoid it. Don't, Don't be scared about it because Jesus says, take heart. Be encouraged. I have overcome the world. Hey, you're going to have trouble, but you're going to win. Come on, that's encouraging today. You're going to have trouble, but you're going to win. Tomorrow will worry for itself. And he says this, sufficient for the day. Let's focus on today. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When God was giving that manna out, not only was it divine provision, not only did it have to be gathered every day, Not only did you have to go to God to receive it, there was one rule with the manna. I don't know if if you know this part. One thing you couldn't do. Does anyone anyone remember? Couldn't store it. No leftovers. This is difficult for me. I'm all about leftovers. It's primarily the only reason I go out to eat is leftovers. The waiter comes by and he says, "Do do do you want me to box that up? I say, do you even need to ask? You know, I'm all about that second meal, chicken parm at seven, chicken parm at nine. That's why I'm, that's what I'm here. That's what I'm here to do. (laughs) Not breakfast leftovers though. No, that's gross. 
Have you ever been at a breakfast place? They're like, do you want to take this home? And it's like, this? Do people do that? Do people do that? Lunatics. It's crazy people. <laughs> but the one rule with manna, no leftovers. You can't store it. can't hide it away. Why? Because God wants complete reliance on him every day. He doesn't ever want us to have enough to say, we're good, God, we don't need you. He doesn't ever want us to have a hoard to say, God, we can do it on our own. His principle is reliance, continual, consistent reliance on him. And the principle under, underneath this is it's true. It's, it's true of the manna, but it's, it's true of many things in life. It's true of your mind. It's true of your capacity that, that if you try and stretch it over tomorrow, it will spoil. It can't hold. It's not enough. And I think that's the problem with many of us and many people in the world. We try and take today's capacity and stretch it over tomorrow's challenges. But we don't have that ability. Our capacity doesn't go that far. And even God, in his infinite wisdom, says, that's not the way I want you to live. I'll give you grace, but grace for today. Yeah. You know, thousands of years later, psychologists have actually, have actually finally caught up to the great psychologist, the great philosopher, Jesus. And psychologists will tell you, when you're dealing with difficult times, or especially if you're dealing with crisis, what you have to do is narrow your time frame. If you can't deal with next week, deal with today. If you can't deal with today, deal with this hour. If you can't deal with this hour, deal with this minute. But break it down into, into a, a, a moment of time that you can handle. Narrow your time frame. And in this way, you're going to be able to cope. You're going to be able to make it through the day. And I think that's very true. And I think it's very brilliant. I think the truth is you can handle today every single day. You can handle today. Now, tomorrow, let's not go there. But today, you've got more than enough. You've got more than enough. Sometimes people will come to me and say, you know, Pastor, I can't handle my life. I'm overwhelmed by my life. I say, life? How about lunch? Can you handle lunch? Yeah, I can handle lunch. Well, that's good. Let's make it there. Because if we're talking about 30 years, who can handle that? If we have to be in charge of 30, 50, 100 years, yeah, that's too much. And maybe if you knew all the obstacles and difficulties you would face, maybe yes, there would be reasons to be overwhelmed, but you can make it to lunch. Then you can make it to dinner. Then you can make it to bed. Then you can make it to morning, coffee, Jesus. Then you can make it to lunch. Or tea or whatever. That's the truth. Narrow your time frame and you will be capable of making it through the day every single day. Why? Because his mercies are new every morning. He'll give you enough. You don't have to worry about the future. You don't have to be consumed with anxiety. You don't have to be overwhelmed with what's to come. Just go and gather his mercy in the morning. Amen. Trust that the God who provided yesterday will provide tomorrow, and you stay present today. Amen? Amen. Does that help you today?
What I'd like to do is take five more minutes because I, I know that we're kind of moving off this subject, but I want to make sure I give you as much practical help and resources as possible before we move on. Next week, we're going to talk about the golden rule, which is in the Sermon on the Mount, and talk about the Christmas story. But I want to uh, break it down and make it practical. Talk about really where many of these problems of the mind stem from. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. That's where all of this comes from. The anxiety and the worry and the fear and the nervousness and the tension, that all comes from here. So here's the solution, that there is a renewal that is available to us. But what we have to first understand is, what is the pattern of this world? That so many people fall into, and we, even though we're Christians, many of us, fall into this continual pattern. The pattern of this world works like this. It starts with poor thinking. What goes on in your mind? What kind of patterns you have? Maybe it came from your family of origin. Maybe it came from a friend. Maybe it came from old teaching. Maybe it came from experience. But, but your thoughts are of low quality or filled with ungodly things, and, and you've got poor thinking. Poor thinking eventually leads to poor decisions, poor actions. You make the wrong choices. You go the wrong direction. You get around the wrong people. And when you do it consistently, they become habits. And this is how you live. Poor thinking becomes poor decisions, and poor decisions eventually becomes a poor lifestyle. This, this is the pattern of this world. You see, that's the world? <laughs> world. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It becomes a cycle in many people's lives. And the problem is, many times it seems simpler to continually struggle in our minds than to face this cycle in order to break free from this cycle. But you've got to face it. You've got to name it. You've got to fight it in order to be transformed and not conformed. You and I, we can be set free, but we need to include Jesus. He is the only one that can break you out of the pattern of this world because there is a God of this world. And we do not serve and we do not come under his authority. We come under the God of the universe, not the God of this age. So we need Jesus' help and wisdom from the word to break the cycle. So my question is, and maybe this is where you can start taking some notes, what breaks this cycle that many of us get caught up in? Maybe you find yourself in this today. The first thing that will break this cycle is that you need to submit your thoughts to God. You need to submit your thoughts to God. Now, please hear me. You have to break this cycle because if you don't, it's going to become a stronghold. You've got to break this cycle or it's going to become almost unbreakable. So first and foremost, you have to submit your thoughts to God. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. If you could put that verse up. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not of this world. But they have divine power to destroy strongholds. That's what we want. How? Well, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought 
captive to obey Christ. So first and foremost, how do we break the cycle? First and foremost, you have to submit your thoughts to the Lord, and you need to take every thought captive. It intercepts the cycle. Hey, just because you thought it doesn't make it brilliant. Just because you thought it doesn't make it right. Just because someone else has said it doesn't make it right. You need to take your thoughts, bring it to the Word, bring it to the Lord, and say, is this wise? Is this good? Is this proper thinking? Is this wisdom thinking? You need to capture your thoughts. The second thing that breaks the cycle is you need to surrender your will. The Bible says not only should you take every thought captive, but then you have to begin to make it obedient to Christ. What do you have to do? You've got to obey. You've got to obey. In other words, not everything I want to do, I end up doing. Not everything I've done in the past will I continue to do. I need to take my thoughts, my actions, my patterns, and bring it to the Lord and obey Him over anything else, over anyone else, over any urges or any thoughts or any ideology or what your friends do or what the world does. And you might say, well, everyone's doing it. Well, everyone's not doing that great. We need a different way. We need a different way of thinking. We need a different way of deciding. And we therefore need to begin to obey a different way. The third thing you do that breaks the cycle is you sacrifice your desires. You sacrifice. Take every thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ. You have to come here. And you've got to sacrifice your desires. To who? To Christ. And 1 Corinthians tells us that we can have the mind of Christ. Think about this. You come to the Lord and you say, not my way, but your way. God will break you out of this and you'll begin to live, not conformed, but come on, transformed. Renewed in your mind. Renewed in your thinking. Renewed in your actions. Yesterday I woke up and I felt the Lord ask me this question. How do you break strongholds? I thought about it. The answer I came up with is you got to put a stronghold under siege. you got to attack it from every single direction for as long as possible. Come in through the tunnels, come in from the air, bash through the wall, but you have to put it under siege. you got to starve a stronghold out. See, the problem is many of us have been caught in this cycle of poor thinking, poor decisions, poor lifestyle for so long, it's created strongholds in our mind or in our body or in our spirit where the enemy has a foothold. And how do you break it? You got to put it under siege. Let me give you some very practical things on how to break a stronghold and then we're going to close. I know I'm giving you a lot, but I warned you I was giving you a lot. Take some notes, listen to it again if you need to. How do you break out of the cycle? How do you break the strongholds that the cycle created? Three things. You need to delete something. First and foremost, you need to delete something. Second, you need to add something. Third, you need to fast something. This is how you put a stronghold under siege. Delete something. Please hear me. There's some contacts that you need to delete. There are some people that you need to delete. I'm talking metaphorically, not actually. That's murder. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) 
There's some apps you need to delete. There's some subscriptions you need to delete. There's some habits you might need to delete. And what does delete mean? Gone forever. Some communications you need to delete. Some, some, some open doors that you need to delete. There might be some books that you should not read. You got to delete them. There might be some shows that you should not watch. You say everyone's watching them. We know. But not you. Because you're not going to be conformed to the pattern of this world. And I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you if you're open. Lord, what should I delete? And then you need to add something. You can't just take away and leave the space open. It will end up even worse. You need to add something. Fill that space. Fill that schedule. Fill that time. First and foremost, if you have not yet added daily devotionals in your life, I say this with no condemnation and no legalism, find a way to add that into the rhythm of your life. First thing in the morning, give a minute to God. Give some time to the Lord. Maybe use the YouVersion app or you know, maybe use a physical Bible. Maybe you got a little candle, you got a little spot, you got your tea. <laughs> However you do it. Maybe it's on the drive-in, you just put on the audio Bible. You just got to find some time. Yeah. And I'd encourage you to do it in the morning. Add it into your life. Go gather the manna. Yeah. Add daily devotionals. Maybe you need to add the altar to your life. You're struggling with something? Come down, pray with someone. There's something powerful where two or more gather and agree in God's name. And you might say, well, I can't go down to the altar. People will know I'm, I've got issues. <laughs> we already know, okay? <laughs> we all got issues. Come to the altar. Be as honest as you can. Because nothing ever breaks unless there's transparency. And can I encourage you? Come as long as you have to come. You say, well, that will take years. Put it under siege. Some sieges take years. But if in the end the stronghold is captured, then it's successful. Keep coming until there's a breaking. Add something to your life. Can I encourage you? Read a book on the area that you're trying to overcome in. Add that in. Sometimes people think, like, I'm just, I'm just praying. I'm just hoping God breaks this thing. You're going to have to help break this thing. You know, and you, if you were going to go build a car, you wouldn't, just, you wouldn't just go find a woods car and just be like, let's, let's get to work. You'd have to go get some tools. You'd have to go get... Uh, maybe a woods car. Do you understand what I said with woods cars? Like these broken down cars in the woods. No, you never saw those? Barn finds. You know what I'm talking about? I can tell I just lost everybody. Everyone's like, what are you talking about? Woods cars. You're going you're to have to watch some videos. You're going to have to read a book. You're going to have to get a mentor. You're going to have to learn. Hey, you might need to read a book on, on anxiety or you might need to read a book on worry or a book on faith or a book on prayer. You might need to add it into your life and you will learn and you will grow. I want to encourage you in one book. Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer is one of the most incredible books on this subject. It's astonishing. I've read it multiple times, and whenever I feel like I'm, I, I need help in this area, I go back to the ultimate book, and I go back to Battlefield of the Mind. Atomic Habits is another phenomenal one. But get a book that will help change your life and go back to it as much as you need. Add it into your life. Add a relationship. Add a mentor. Add a friendship. Add some commitments. Add some commitments that you can't break. And, and lastly, fast something. That's temporarily removing something. First and foremost, fast food. Because when you fast food, you are, you are telling your flesh no, and you're giving your spirit power. 
There's something very powerful about fasting. And you say, well, I'll fast whenever the church is. Well, get ready. January 1st, we're starting to fast. <laughs> oh, it's coming. <laughs> Join us in it. And I would encourage you, make sure you fast food. And you say, well, I can't because the thing is, I can't fast food because my doctor said, because I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I won't go further into that until next month. Maybe you need to fast social media. Maybe you need to fast media. Maybe you need to fast shopping. Maybe these things have strongholds on you. There's grips. And you need to cut up some stuff and turn off some things and unplug some stuff and throw some things out the window and see if you won't feel better. People tell me all the time, all the time, because they know this is one of my things. Like, like young men be like, hey, man, I'm I've been fasting social media for a week. I feel so good. And it's like, awesome, man. Now move fast to delete. And they're like, ah, I'm like, well, I'll see you at the altar then, I guess. <laughs> but I believe as you begin to put these things into place, God's going to begin to break you out of this cycle, and you're going to walk into newness of life, that God can bring your mind into a place not filled with worry, anxiety, or nervousness and fear, but God can bring your mind into a place of freedom, transformation, that you can become like Jesus Christ. Can you say Amen. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.